0: Right, as we get ready to move into the message this morning, I can't believe this already, but we're in part six of a series called Hidden Kingdom. Um, Andrew did a great job really connecting the heart of God and our love relationship with him into our love relationship with those around us, and he did that through the lens of the Good Samaritan story, and it's just a really practical filter to see how we walk in real relationship with God and others. And, and sort of the ground that we've covered up to this point, it's included looking to Jesus as our master. So yes, he's our savior. He's the unique son of God, all of those things. But Jesus understood how to live life as a human being connected with our father who loves us and made us. And so one of the things I hope we can all capture in our Christian walk, is really looking at Jesus as someone who knows how to live. And he's making that way available to us. We can learn how to live well in this life. And so he is the master. And so we then position ourselves to be his apprentice or to be disciples. That's what that word means. And so whether you realize it or not, up to this point, we've looked at him as the master and then we've looked at what it means to be a disciple. And really simply put, it's someone who is following Jesus in a real relationship. I know him, and I'm growing in that relationship, and I recognize his activity in my life. I don't just know about him. I get to know him. Secondly, a disciple is someone who's, who's growing. He's changing me. He's transforming me. If you want a good Bible word around that, it's the word sanctification. He is growing and shaping and changing me. Um, And so will I participate in that? He is the truth, and I can learn to cooperate with the truth and become more and more who God's made me to be. And so a disciple is someone who's following Jesus in a personal way and who's yielded their life so that they can grow and change. And then finally, a disciple is someone who... You know, those first two, you can kind of do one-on-one. I don't think that's the ideal way to do that. I think we follow him together, and the scripture makes that clear. I think we help each other grow through, through authentic relationships and accountability. But you could kind of get by doing those two on your own. But he doesn't want us to do life on our own. And so the third thing that makes someone a disciple is someone who's living with purpose, someone who's living on mission with Jesus. His plan to change the world is to use you and me. Everyday people with all of our faults, our failures, our imperfections, he wants to use us to share his love with the world in need. And so part of being a disciple is deciding in, in our hearts, I'm going to live like that. I'm going to live with a sense of purpose to cooperate with Jesus and be on mission with him. So this is kind of the big picture stuff of how we live in his kingdom, all right? So going forward in this series in the coming weeks, we're gonna start looking at really specific ways that Jesus modeled this. If, if that's sort of the structure for all of this, let's now really build the house, all right? What are all of the different things we can learn from Jesus? Because he talked about the kingdom and he lived it out in his daily life. And so what would it look like if we mimicked him? if I position myself in such a way to say, Jesus, I'm not just saying I'm gonna follow you and maybe that means I read my Bible a little bit. I'm really gonna look at your life and see what you would teach me about how to live this out. And so I wanna encourage you guys, really lean into this and consider taking some of these home after after your Sunday service. Go, what what, what do I do this week with this? Jesus, how do I follow you in relationship with this concept that we unpack? How do, I, how do I bring this in to the fact that you wanna change and grow me? What part does this play in growing and changing my life? Jesus, this, this thing that I'm grabbing a hold of this Sunday, how does that help me be on mission with you to impact other people, all right? So let's be purposeful about this. I'm, I'm really hoping it's very applicational as we go forward, all right? So let me pray one more time. And then this morning, we're gonna talk about prayer. Jesus lived a life of prayer. And it was a big part of who he was and everything that he did. And so why don't we pray and ask God to teach us about prayer this morning. So Heavenly Father, we come before you. We declare that you are holy, you are good, you are worthy to be praised. And we invite you to speak into our lives today. Jesus, thank you for showing us how to know and love the Father and walk with him. Would you help us to receive some stuff from you today that would equip us to live like that? I pray that whatever misconceptions we have about prayer, you know, if we're fearful of praying in public, um, if prayer just feels like something we never do enough of and so it makes us feel guilty, God, if we feel awkward talking to you, Lord, whatever obstacles might get in the way, Jesus, would you help tear those down? Would you help us to see the loving invitation to be in regular communication with the God who loves us? And so Holy Spirit, we believe that you are real and that you come and you live with us, that you are for us, and that you help us, you empower us. And so we're inviting you to do that this morning. Would you help this make sense to us? Help us grab a hold of it Holy Spirit, would you help us to grow in our prayer life so we could be connected to you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So one of my favorite kinds of movies, that probably sounds like a weird place to go when I said we're going to talk about prayer. One of my favorite kinds of movies are submarine movies. We got, got anybody in here that enjoys like military submarine movies? right? There's like, I'm always afraid to mention movies because then somebody's gonna go watch it and there's gonna be like more curse words than I remembered or whatever. But, you know, I remember like Crimson Tide or um, there's U-571, I think it was, Matthew McConaughey and like just these different submarine movies. And like, they're always so interesting to me. Part of it is I can't ever imagine putting myself in that position. It feels very claustrophobic to me. I would not feel very comfortable in a submarine. But it's this fascinating thing because there's this whole way of operating and living inside of this submarine. And so there's like, there's this life inside there going on. But inside of that life that's going on, they're traveling through this very mysterious world under the ocean. And there's other submarines in these movies that want to destroy them. And, you know, it's always like those moments when somebody's fired a sub at them and they're trying to avoid it, you know, and they like, they spray out the stuff on the side and Go hit that, go blow that up, not us. And, but it's, it's fascinating. And One of the things that sort of caught my mind this week, you know, I've been thinking a lot about kingdom and we titled this the hidden kingdom. And I, I really believe that one of the things that's so hard for us as believers is that we just live in this tangible world that we see and that we experience and yet God permeates it. You know, He's spirit and he permeates it. He's up to stuff. And, and we know inherently that there are all these unseen things that we don't see. We're aware of that. But I, I just don't know in my own life and others. I, I just don't know that we live conscious of that. And so with my weird, silly submarine analogy, I just think many of us, we're just living life on the sub. You know? Here's what I can see, and I'm just in my little bubble and trying to survive. But the reality is I am moving through this life. And there's all kinds of stuff going on that I can't see, and some of it wants to harm me. Some of it actively wants to harm me. Some of it's passive. Like if I just if I don't see where I'm going, I might just run into that underwater rock that's there. And so what happens in these submarines is they're using sonar and probably other technical things that I don't know or understand to navigate, to sense what's happening out there so they can successfully navigate through life and accomplish their mission. I believe, as bad as that analogy might be, that that's the role prayer plays in our life. There is stuff happening around us all the time that that we don't see, we don't understand, it's hard to perceive, but God is present with us and he's fully aware of what's going on and he wants us to learn how to operate and cooperate with the unseen. And if if we will become people of prayer, more and more we can navigate in the midst of all this unseen stuff. Because in the midst of the obstacles that are out there and the enemies that are out there, God's at work out there. And he wants us to participate with him in what he's doing. And so prayer is central to this. So we're gonna look at three things related to prayer this morning. All right, we're gonna look at Jesus and, and hopefully get a sense of the purpose of prayer, the purpose of prayer. Then we're gonna talk about the place of prayer. And then finally, we're gonna wrap things up looking at the secret of prayer, all right? The purpose, the place, and the secret. So first of all, the purpose of prayer. Jesus teaches on prayer. Um, there's a couple places in the gospels where he, he gives us what, what we refer to as the Lord's prayer. But his disciples were eager to learn how to pray, and he teaches them. And so we're going to look at Matthew's gospel together this morning. This is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, and he begins to talk about prayer. And so all of this is kind of found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, to get the fullness of it. Let's start by just going a few verses before the Lord's prayer starts and look at Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. Jesus is talking. He says, And when you pray Now I think there's a lot of different motivations why we might pray. Some of you might be hearing that and go, "Well, I don't really want to pray in public. I don't really want to be seen. In fact, that's one of the reasons maybe why I wouldn't pray." And I do think Jesus is specifically addressing the issue of just sort of like putting on airs, to use kind of an old phrase, right? Like being worried about how you're perceived, how you're seen, but. I want you to see beyond the specific point he's making and see something larger here. It's just another way that we get caught up in the world of what we can see. And Jesus is saying the beauty of prayer is it engages with the God that we can't see. That's the real point. We have this heavenly father that we can't see and yet we can get away and we can be with him. And we might not be able to see him, but he can see us. And we can experience God we can have an encounter with the God that we cannot see with our eyes, but we can meet him. And the beauty is whether I'm hung up on people seeing me pray to look spiritual or I'm terrified of people seeing me pray in public. Well, great, put that to the side for the minute. Go meet with him in private. Go spend time with the father. Jesus said, that's the real point. Go into the secret place And meet with the unseen God, and there's a reward waiting for you there. And see, here's the beauty. If if we will purpose to set time aside to be with the unseen God, we will begin to see. We will begin to see. Jesus lived this. He experienced it. I want to give you an example from his life. He talked about this. John chapter 5, verses 19 and the first part of verse 20. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Do you, do you see this? It's rooted in a love relationship. And Jesus walked with his father in such a way that he could see what God was up to. He had eyes to recognize God's activity. He could see what God was doing, and he could participate with it. Listen, I I know that Jesus stands apart in history. I know that he is the unique son of God. I know that there is a mystery at the heart of who Jesus is as fully God and fully man. I get that. And I by no means think that our job is to try to duplicate what he did. He is the only one that's gonna live the perfect life. But I do believe when I look at Jesus' life and his words and his activity that he intended for us to learn from his way of living and to access the kind of things that he could access. And I know, and we'll see this as we get further into this, he wants us to know and love this father. And he wants us to be able to develop the ability to see God doing things, to see his activity. And it starts by just engaging with him. And so the purpose of prayer beyond anything else, beyond having a prayer request answered, beyond you know, getting direction for my life, beyond any of that, the real purpose of prayer is to meet with our Father who loves us. And when we meet with him, when we cultivate that, we begin to see the world in a whole new light. Our eyes are open. And so this, this continues on now. And so picking back up in Matthew's gospel, chapter six, now the very next verse, he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I'm not gonna actually have you show your hands, but I just wonder how many of us would raise our hand and say, a lot of what's ripped me off from my prayer life is I'm not even sure what to say. I don't know the right words to say. I'm probably saying it wrong. Jesus is starting this out by saying, don't worry about trying to get all the words right. God knows what you need. He knows what you're after. So it's not about all the words that we speak. Instead, it's this. Verse nine, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, prayer is not about saying the right sequence of words to get God to do what we want, to get him to hear us and respond. Prayer is not about me Manipulating outcomes. Prayer is about inviting and surrendering to God's desired outcomes. Like, don't get caught up in all the wording of the Lord's Prayer and, like, okay, what's each line in it? And, like, how do I do all that stuff and live that out? I mean, that's worth doing. But just look at the big picture of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, pray like this Father, so it's intimate that father that's in the secret place and then simply just acknowledge that he has a kingdom, he has plans and invite him to come work those plans out. See, prayer is as much about observing and listening as it is about speaking words. It's it's listening, it's looking for God. What is he up to? What is he saying? Friends, one, one of the things that as a pastor, I'm afraid that sometimes when you say stuff over and over again, it just sort of loses its its impact, that spark. And when we, when we think of church or whatever, it's like we know at some point, in some form or fashion, we're gonna be encouraged. I should read my Bible every day and I should pray a lot. Like, okay, yeah, that's part of being a Christian. But like something happens when we pray position ourselves on purpose to say, God, I want to be with you. I need to be with you. I believe you're real and alive. And there's a lot of stuff I don't know and I don't understand and I don't see clearly. But God, I believe that you do. And so I'm going to purpose to be present with you. And God, I want to receive what you have for me. And guys, I I have stumbled through this. I don't think of myself as just this unbelievable prayer warrior. I feel like I'm still learning and growing. But I can tell you my life changed when I went from viewing prayer and Bible reading as rituals and routines to realizing one day at 19 years old that I could get in my bedroom, I could open up the Bible and I could just say, God, I believe that you're real. Would you talk to me through this? And actually reading my Bible was a form of prayer because I was asking him to speak to me. And I was just open to hearing him. And it began to come alive. It, It got real. It hit me. And sure, there were dry times and all that, but man, God's word just really came alive in my heart, in my life. And then I could sense God with me when I went out into the world because I was spending time connected with the unseen God And I began to experience the reward of that, of enjoying life connected with him. Jesus, Jesus got this. He lived this. It got down inside of him. And he was so committed to this way of living, he just, he he longed to walk in connection with the Father and to cooperate with him. Here's another example of this. John 8, verses 28 and 29. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, he's talking about when he's going to be crucified in the future. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. He didn't just tell us, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. He's saying, I position myself to live this way. I'm committed to living and speaking what the Father speaks. And then look at this, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. See how rooted in that relationship Jesus was? He just had that deep sense that the Father was with him. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He's talking about this in the context of going to the cross. He's saying, even if this takes me to the cross, in fact, it will take me to the cross, but I am deeply rooted in the sense that I'm cooperating with my Father and that I'm never alone. In the hardest moment of my life, I'll be anchored in the fact that the Father is with me and I'm right where he would have. Jesus understood the purpose of prayer and it was to be rooted in an active relationship with the Father. Secondly, the place of prayer. I want you to see the place that prayer had in Jesus' life. We're going to read a lot of scriptures through this section and I'm not going to unpack them. I almost want this to sort of like hit us like a wave. Like just, just absorb over and over and over again the place that prayer had in Jesus' life. Okay, it's, it starts here, Luke 5, verses 15 and 16. So Jesus, he started his ministry. He's getting more and more active. He's having an impact. And verse 15 of Luke 5 says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So here's all the activity. Here's the outflowing of his life. Verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Do you hear that? It was, it was a habit. It was a part of his life. It was, it was his method. It was a way of life. He got away regularly and he went to desolate places. He found where he could go and be undistracted. The need is endless. The world that we can see It's everywhere and its demands are real and present all the time. (laughs) And if you're anything like me, even when I remove myself from that for a few minutes, you know what's happening up here? All those demands are just running on a loop. But Jesus so believed in the purpose of prayer that he gave prayer its proper place. He made his life anchored there. And so he practiced regularly removing himself from all the stuff to be with God. Now listen, prayer wasn't an escape, right? Jesus didn't walk around living this escapism like, I don't want to participate in this world. No, he put his life out there all the time. He was engaged with people at great sacrifice. But things were in their proper place. He got alone with the Father regularly, consistently, So I just want to give you some examples of that. He did this in the morning, Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In the evening, after a long day, Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He prayed before major decisions, Luke 6, 12 through 13. And in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. So before a major hiring decision, he committed himself to prayer. It was a part of daily life, morning and evening. It was a part of big decisions. In fact, when he was facing difficulty, in fact, the most difficult moment of his life, what did he do? After spending time with his his friends, after having a meal with them, before he goes to the cross, what does he do? Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And so when facing difficulty, he leaned into the Lord. One more example. He prayed for effectiveness in ministry. He prayed for effectiveness in power. Mark 9, 29. This comes on the heels of a story where the disciples were trying to cast out a demon and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus showed up and he was able. And they're asking him, what's the problem? Why couldn't we do it? And he says this, Matthew 9, 29. He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And Jesus was ready he prayed. Another version says prayer and fasting, and that's a whole other message for a whole other time, but prayer. See, so many of the circumstances that hit us, I don't, I don't want to keep over-analyzing this analogy, but like, you know, you're on the submarine and it's like the, the alarms are going off, right? Because eh, 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 somebody has shot out the torpedo, you know, or, oh no, we're approaching a huge structure. We got to avoid it. And we just go into activity mode. We just go, just snap into activity mode. And so whether it's, I I don't even do the morning and evening prayer because life just hits me and I hit the ground running. Or maybe big decisions come and I think about all the things I have to figure out. What do I have to know? What do I have to learn? What do I have to do? Or I'm facing difficulty. Man, a lot of us, when we face difficulty, and I've been guilty of this in my life, when I face difficulty, I'm not drawn to God. Often I'm upset with him. Like I go the opposite direction. I pull away because why is this happening and how is he letting this happen and what's going on? Instead of, instead of leaning into him in difficulty. Or realizing some of the cir- circumstances I get in that are beyond me, I talked about this a little bit last Sunday, about the power that's available from him. Some of the circumstances I get in that are beyond me maybe Jesus is allowing me to be in those very circumstances so I learn to get out of living life based on my own power and ability and strength and learn to trust in him. And so he'll let me face things that I can't possibly handle on my own so that he can show up and give me what I need. Over and over and over again, Jesus gave place in his life to prayer because he believed in the ultimate purpose of it. See, the reality is when I give prayer its rightful place, God's kingdom begins to permeate my life. I become equipped for all the different circumstances that come my way. I remember when I was around eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, um, I was real, I've always been really into sports, but I was playing basketball at the time. And I was really into it. And I, I can still picture my coach teaching me uh, what is really common, but it was new for me at the time, He was teaching me a very specific thing. He was teaching the whole team this. And he was talking about receiving the ball, and when you get it, don't dribble it right away. And he he taught us about what was called the triple threat, okay? And so the idea is I get the ball, and I have it, and I'm ready. And he said the triple threat's like this. I'm ready to go, and I can do three things with it. I can shoot the ball and score a basket, hopefully, if I make it. I can pass the ball to somebody else, or I can dribble, and his point was, this is the most powerful position to be in because you've kind of unlocked the whole game. Like, there's so many different things I could do that the enemy, the defender, he doesn't know what's coming. He can't stop it because I'm ready. So I learned it that day. I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. And some years go along, and I'm playing basketball, and, you know, slowly I begin to realize some things. Like, the triple threat is not a triple threat if I don't know how to shoot. Like if I don't shoot well, like now it's maybe a double threat. And if I don't dribble the ball well, if I can't control it, that that threat goes away. And if I'm really sloppy with my passing, suddenly I can be in the triple threat position, but I've not developed any of those three skills, I'm useless. (laughs) See, I, I can recognize that's the right place to be, but have I developed it? Is that making sense? Is my sports analogy making sense? So as I got a little bit older, I began to realize I could even practice this on my own. And so I would get the ball at home on my little goal and I would just practice shooting from different places without moving. Like I can just shoot from here. And then I would practice like what if I dribbled? Like what if I just dribbled like twice to right there and shot from there? And, And what began to happen is the more that the ability to dribble, to shoot and to shoot from different places more and more it opened everything up. And then it's like, if this guy learns I can make this, he gets worried about that. So I can pretend I'm gonna do that and dribble and I'm past him and I can score. Or if he knows I like to dribble over there, I can fake like I'm going there and then I'm open here and I shoot. It's something that gets developed by use. See, what Jesus did is he believed this worked. He believed in the purpose of prayer and so he positioned himself in the place of prayer and used it, developed it. When you start, you're not good at it. That's okay. Nobody's ever got good at shooting a, basket, a basketball by not shooting a basketball. You practice, you play. You play. I believe God is inviting us to come play in his kingdom. And I don't even think we realize sometimes the joy in the adventure of that, that it's actually okay to get it wrong. It's okay to make mistakes, but I'm engaging with him. I'm learning from him. I mean, that's what an apprentice does. An apprentice hangs out with the master because the master's the one that knows how to get it right all the time. And the apprentice is with him for the very reason that the apprentice is going to get it wrong. And often the way you learn is through the experience of failing. And then you go, where did I fail? How could I do that better? And then the master comes along and goes, oh, like this, like this. Guys, I I hope that you don't just hear this as a message of, okay, I should pray more. Guys, life is an adventure. And God is up to stuff in this difficult and chaotic world. And he loves us, and he's inviting us to engage with him. And he wants us to come play. So let's give place to prayer in our lives, in all kinds of circumstances and situations, and watch how God begins to show up and do stuff more and more. And it's okay when we make a mistake along the way, because he'll be there to help us and coach us through it. See, the disciples were witnesses to how much Jesus prioritized prayer. And so we see a picture of this in Luke chapter 9. Starts out Luke nine eighteen. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. It's just this little glimpse into them like sort of finding him in prayer, discovering him in prayer, or knowing he sent them off on their own, but they're aware he's back there praying. They were just, they were aware of it. And then we move a little bit further into Luke 9, In fact, we move almost a week later, a little over a week later, and in Luke 9, 28, it says, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. So he invited these guys to come along up on the mountain to pray with him. Okay, you see me doing this? Y'all come with me. What happened up on the mountaintop when Peter, James, and John went with Jesus? they saw the transfiguration of Jesus. They saw him talking with Moses and Elijah. Their eyes were open to this whole new world. And they saw Jesus in a light they had never seen him in before. It was like, oh, oh, that's how you pray. (laughs) Oh, no wonder you like going up there. This is pretty cool. In fact, they loved it so much, they said, can we live here? Let's build some tents and live here. They were were captured by this. And so friends, this this moves us into what Jesus really wants us to be able to grab hold of. When I understand the purpose of prayer, when I recognize the place of prayer, then I can learn the secret of prayer. And so in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it's another one of the places where Jesus taught the Lord's prayer. But look at the context of this specific time. Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. They were jealous to learn how to pray. I love that. They wanted to learn how to pray. And so Jesus begins to unpack this for them. He teaches them the Lord's Prayer. We've already talked about that. And he tells them the story of the annoying neighbor. All right? And so here's the basics of his story there's a guy who's at home, and in the middle of a the night, there's this pounding at his door. And it's his annoying neighbor saying, Hey, one of my friends from out of town just showed up, and I got nothing to feed him. I need some bread, I need some water, I need something. Wake up, can you give me something? And the guy's laying in bed like, maybe if I'm just quiet and ignore him, he'll go away. And then Jesus says, the guy's gonna help his annoying neighbor, not because he cares about him, <laughs> but because he won't quit. Because he keeps asking. And so he'll get up and give. And he says, in that context, Luke eleven nine. nine, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Remember who he's talking to? A disciple just said, teach me how to pray. And he goes, okay, you want the secret? You want the secret? I'll give you this insight about our heavenly father and inviting his kingdom to come. But let me tell you something. If you really wanna know the secret, seek it out. Ask for it, and you will receive the secret." he goes on and says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know the secret? We've got the spirit of God with us all the time. The Holy Spirit is the secret. He's the gift that enables us to live a life of prayer. Jesus said, this this beautiful connection I have with the Father, you want that? Let me tell you the secret. Recognize he's present, he's available, his kingdom is at work, and then ask to receive the very presence of God into your life and watch what will happen. That's the secret. Friends, I think far too many of us forget who resides in us. Maybe some of us have never learned, never taught in our spiritual journey. We've just never been taught that there is a Holy Spirit to receive into my life. But guys, he's real and he's present. And he wants us to enjoy an active relationship with him. And so the way I want to kind of wrap things up this morning is I want to take us into a special moment in the life of Jesus and I'm gonna do my best in like five minutes here to give us a sense of this as as we wrap things this morning. But I wanna encourage you, this could be a great place to start even this week. Because in John's gospel, he gives us incredible insight into a conversation and a prayer meeting that Jesus had with his disciples the night he was betrayed to his death. In his final moments with them, He was like, guys, there's something I want to make sure you get. You've watched me live a life of prayer for these last three and a half years. You've seen that this is an anchor point in my life. You've seen the place I've given it. I've taught you how to do it. I want to make sure that you grab a hold of what's available to you. And so in John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus is passing on, this approach to life. And verse, or chapter 17 ends with a prayer that they are present for where he's talking to the Father about anchoring them and all of this stuff he's been saying. And so I wanna give you a little bit of a sense of this. So we're gonna spend a little time in John 14 here, beginning in verse eight. Philip, one of his disciples said to him, okay, Lord, you're telling us you know, what's coming and all that and just show us the Father and it's enough for us. If we can just see that unseen God, right, that would just make prayer all better. If if God just showed up right in front of me, that would work well. God, would you just show us, Jesus, would you just show us the Father, it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, I have already. (laughs) That's my paraphrase. Verse 9, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me does his works. He's like buddy are you are you missing it? This is this is my whole way of living and operating. You're getting a sense of who the father is because you've seen me and you've seen the way I've lived. Now, verse 16 just skipping down a few verses. Jesus says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you every now and then when you think about it. No, he's with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's hidden, he's hidden, he's not obvious but he's available. He's the ever-present help that we need. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, friends, the hidden is revealed in relation to the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with the Spirit of God opens our eyes to see the unseen, to cooperate with what God is up to. And Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will send him to you. Verse 19, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and whoever... And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest, reveal myself to him. Do you hear the richness of what he's offering? He's giving us access into relationship that previously only he's had. Like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in this eternal relationship Ongoing, beautiful relationship that they enjoy with one another, and Jesus says, You've been invited into that. You get to experience that kind of intimacy. It's going to be good for you that I'm leaving because the Holy Spirit will show up and He'll permeate your life. And where you've seen me and the Father, and I've told you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen that special connection. Now, You're going to be connected to me, and I'm connected to my Father, and so we're all going to be connected with each other. You're in. You've been invited in. You can experience the fullness of what I have for you. And look at what he says this will do in us. We're going to experience love, and we're going to cooperate with what God's up to. That's what obeying his commandments is. I know him. I love him. He loves me and I begin to see what he's up to. Jesus says, I'll be manifest to you. You'll see me. You'll see my activity and then you can cooperate. Guys, the way we figure out how to cooperate with God's hidden kingdom is to be connected with the God who is unseen. And I think far too often we just spend our lives over here kind of waiting for him to come do something and show up. And he said, I did something, I did it on the cross. And I did it when I rose again. And I did it when I poured out my spirit on all flesh. He is available to you. And so instead of waiting back for the unseen to become seen, he's saying, come to me. Step into the unseen realm. Come spend time with me. Come recognize that my spirit is in you. Develop this relationship. If it's clunky, if you don't know what to say, it's all right. Jump in participate in this love relationship and watch your eyes get opened up and you'll see things you've never seen before and you'll find strength to do things you've never done before and you'll begin to see my activity become real. You'll begin to see what others can't see, me invading this life, invading this world with hope and with love and with possibility to change and transform and redeem this world. That's what I'm up to. Come participate. Here's the secret. It's my spirit. I want to end with this. John 16. Same chunk of scripture, same setting, just a couple chapters over. John 16, verses 13 through 15. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's kingdom life. Living in connection with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's one thing I left out when I talked about mission last week. Talked about how he told us to go forth into all the world, and we talked about him teaching all that he commanded, but he said specifically, baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Friends, yes, that's about water baptism, but it's about so much more. It's about being immersed in a whole new way of life. I'm not alone anymore. I'm not on my own anymore. My old way of living, I don't have to settle for that anymore. Baptism is about something dying and something being resurrected into new life. And he's saying, I want you to be baptized into a new way of life where you are immersed in relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It'll transform you forever. And that's how you can live in participation with me and seeing God My kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want that. I'm aware of my lack. I don't preach this from a place of I've got it figured out, I've got it all together. I preach from a place of need and dependence and desire to receive from him and to experience that kind of life. Friends, may we see the purpose of prayer, may we give place to prayer, and may we discover the secret of prayer, being immersed in the life of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We adore you. We sit in awe of you that the creator of heaven and earth, the unseen God, that you are available to us, that you love us, that you pursue us, that you are for us. Jesus, thank you for who you are, for the door that you have opened, for the life you've made available to us. Jesus, I pray we could receive this more and more. We would receive you as our guide, as our master, that we would have a heart to seek you, to seek the Father, to spend time with the Holy Spirit. God, that we would be caught up with a vision of what it's like to live connected with you. And if we get it wrong and it's clunky, that's all right, but that we would lean in. So Jesus, we say yes to you. Holy Spirit, we ask. Friends, if, if you're in this room or you're watching at home or you're listening to this later, You don't have to go to some special prayer service to receive the Holy Spirit. You can ask and seek and knock and your good heavenly father will give his Holy Spirit to you. And so if you've never received, let's ask. For those of you like me who have received, God, we ask for more. We ask for a fresh filling and indwelling of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Be present, be active. Help me to be aware of your presence. Help me to seek time and opportunity to be with you, to develop real relationship, to see you, to know you, to experience your love, oh God. And may the byproduct be the ability to begin to see what I haven't seen before. Your presence and your activity in my life, in my marriage, in my home, in my job, in my community, in this world. We invite you. We surrender to you. And we say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.